Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com You're listening to the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Now let's get to the episode. Presented by Hunting Exchange, a marketplace for serious hunters by serious hunters. 
Welcome back, everybody, to another Southern Outdoorsman listener success story. This week, we actually have a celebrity guest sitting down with us uh, for our host. We got old Michael Pike. Uh, Man, on you here. always give me these intros <laughs> like I hate it. Oh, he's a celebrity guest. So we, we got Michael joining us today for this listener success story. But we've got a great one for you coming today, guys. I uh, got Olivia Glasgow on the phone with us, who shot her uh, first off is her first deer with the bow with a bow. But also, it's her best buck ever, and I know she's been a, a pretty good uh, long-time listener for us. Uh, so, Olivia, just want to say, you know, thank you uh, for, of course, you know, wanting to come on here and sharing your story. But, uh, again, congratulations on that awesome buck that you got this year in Alabama. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm glad to be on here. It's, um, I know I kind of started off the season with that was, like, my goal was to make it on here. So, <laughs> I am, I'm happy that happened. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we got a lot to talk about, so this will be a really exciting episode for us. Uh, and I think it's going to bring a cool dynamic to the podcast, especially coming from you know someone that's just new into archery, getting into it. But not only that, just being a woman and kind of you hunting with your husband and everything else, but also hunting a lot solo to try to make this happen and get to the point that you're at now. And, and I know you've been trying to focus a lot on woodsmanship skills and just learning about you know different things that you're p- trying to pay attention to while hunting to kind of get a better, well-rounded view of what you need to be doing to have success so um really to kind of kick us off can you like talk a little bit about you know how long have you been a listener of the show and then also how did you find out about the show well i've been listening um for about right a year now i guess um and it all started with um last year i think it was january 17th um i went hunting with my husband on his family land and i had shot you know, the biggest buck that I thought at the time. Um, and I knew I hit him, um, but we never recovered him. We found blood trail. We even had a dog come out and do everything. And then I, I don't think I've been that upset since, you know, I was a child <laughs> over anything. And, um, and it just ate me up inside. And so then I started, I don't know, I got obsessed with it. I started thinking about like, okay, well, how long can he live? Or like, what are the odds that he lived? And, you know, where did I shoot him? I was trying to remember all this stuff. And then I just got more into it. And then I started going down to the land and just kind of walking around just seeing, cause I couldn't let it go. Like I'm the type of person, I'm very hard headed. So even though, you know, my husband and everyone else is telling me like, it's okay. You know, he's probably alive somewhere. Like it's fine. And, um, but in my head, like I felt like, no, I need to find him. Cause I really feel like I, I killed him. I just never found, found him. And, um, so, uh, you know, I found, I didn't really listen to podcasts that much. Um, if so, it was some kind of like, you know, like murder mystery podcast or something. But um, I just, you know, searched on iTunes, like hunting podcast, and uh, I found you guys. And then I started listening. And then, I don't know, it was, uh, you, you just seemed so relatable, I guess. And then also the fact that you were just from Alabama. So, it made me listen even more. And then you guys are hilarious at the same time. So I was like, Oh, this is great. You know, I get to like learn a bunch of stuff and then also like get entertained at the same time. (laughs) So, um, that's kind of just where it started. And then, you know, since then it's just been kind of exploded from there. I mean, I got into turkey hunting, so I listen to you guys every single episode that comes out, if not more than twice. Um, and then, you know, I bought a shotgun, I went and sat in the turkey woods, and then anytime I could be in the woods um, as much as I could, that's what I was doing, and so I bought myself a bow for my birthday, and then, um, you know, just, I've been obsessed since. 
Yeah, awesome. Well, there, there's a lot there that I, I really want to get into before we actually get to the story of this buck. Um, first off, one thing that I, I found that was kind of impressive with you is just, again, the, the hunger to want to learn. Um, because there's so many people I know, uh, and again, everybody has their own take when it comes to hunting. You know, some people just super, super laid back. They just go out hunting once or twice a year. They go shoot, you know, whatever comes out and they're super happy and it's great. They get meat on the table. And then other people you have that are just like obsessive. And it seems like you're more of like, you're very kind of obsessive when it comes to wanting to learn more, wanting to try to figure things out and just become a better hunter, which brings up a question I want to ask. How long have you actually been hunting, uh, especially like deer hunting? Um, well, um, the first time I ever went hunting, um, my husband took me, he was my boyfriend at the time. It was Thanksgiving day on, in 2017. And again, first time I'd ever been hunting in the woods ever. And, um, I killed a six point. And so I was like, oh, that was really fun, you know? And so we went a couple of times after that, I think like once the next year, maybe even twice, I think I shot at a doe, but I missed her. And, um, then and uh, December 2020 was when I shot um, my five point, and then January 21 was when I missed that eight point. So, or I never recovered it, and um, so really not at all. Like I mean, I would go and I would I would sit in the stand with him, and he had his two stands set up on his family land. Um, I mean, and he hunted his whole life, and um, I mean, he's been I don't know I don't even know how many antlers we have on our walls upstairs <laughs> but we have a ton from where um you know he just kind of learned from his dad and his granddad and um but I didn't have anyone in my family like no one from my family hunted um it's just you know we're river people like we we like to water sea and you know fish and everything else we just never got in the woods so this is my first year really I guess hunting on my own <laughs> Well, that's, that was another thing I was going to bring up is on your own. I mean, I, I know a lot of this stuff, it seems like you've been doing a lot of things solo, which is kind of cool, again, to kind of have the confidence, figuring stand placement and stuff out. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the actual story of you kind of coming into this year, uh, first year with a bow and kind of how you've transitioned into focusing, you know, when it comes to archery. Um, but what? Well, let me ask from just your standpoint, what were some of those challenges? I know there's probably some things that you're still trying to work through, but like especially like early on, some of those challenges when it came to hunting whitetails that you started to pick up on, like, oh, maybe there were certain things you were doing or seeing being done or, or had examples or um, situations of things that were happening that you were then trying to figure out, like, okay, what can I do better next time versus what I was doing, especially, you know, being what I would call and what a lot of people would call like a later onset hunter where you're an adult and you're getting into it now, kind of looking at it from a, a, a progressive standpoint of, you know, how have you been able to adjust things uh, over just really the last year and, and kind of learn in a very quick mindset well I mean this is my first season so um I never thought about it last year or any other year I never I never cared about what the wind was I didn't I mean you know my husband you know made me like take a bath and sent free stuff but that was kind of about it and um and you know we had some other family that had some uh, some green fields and stuff but we never I never looked at what type of trees were anywhere. So this is really my first season. Um, so since October, I've learned a ton, um, especially like with the wind. And um, I've definitely learned that thermals play more of a major factor with the bucks that I have on in my area than the wind does, which is crazy. But um, 
I'm trying to think of what else is kind of, I mean, it's just, it's hard, you know? And I guess that's why I like it so much is because it is, it's so difficult and there's, it's something different every single time. Um, I mean, they have their patterns and, you know, I thought that I knew them and um, which they still stick to pretty much, but it's just, um, you know, they shift and then depending on like the food and, you know, which acorns have dropped and stuff like that. Like it's um, I've, I've kind of learned a lot of that as I've, come i guess since october but <laughs> yeah absolutely well that's where i was kind of getting at i've interviewed on listener success stories a, a couple people i think you might have been the third like newer bow hunter like i know one uh guy i think it was his first year hunting uh and it might have been his first year hunting period i can't remember gentleman out of uh, oklahoma who killed a, just a, a huge deer and we had another guy as well this year that was again just a newer bow hunter just a newer hunter in general and you know kind of asking them what were some of those things that you've learned just in a very short window of time just from, you know, trial and error. And as, like you said, you know, you've learned that, you know, thermals play, you know, more of a factor in some of these areas than just even the wind direction uh, in some of these areas that you're hunting. So stuff like that, you know, you're learning things. And I think it's the interesting question to ask a lot of these newer, especially bow hunters, but just hunters in general, of the ones that are truly trying to learn to better themselves instead of just trying to go out there just to shoot a deer, but trying to learn, well, how did I shoot that deer? What kind of was the factors that were able to let me, you know, be in the right spot at the right time to kill that buck or that doe or whatever. And you're truly trying to learn. It's interesting to kind of see that mindset from like your eyes compared to like someone who's been doing it for 15, 20 or 30 years. They don't remember really those first aha moments as, you know, a newer bow hunter, a newer hunter would. So I've got to ask, you know, with this season, did you have any like aha moments where like either, you know, it's something that you heard or something that you did or experience that you had during season that was like, oh, wow, this is, this now opens my eyes up to a, a different perspective uh, that maybe will give me more confidence. Oh, definitely. <laughs> um, um, for one, it was the way I was set up. Um, you know, I, I have one of my areas is, um, is on a finger ridge. And so it's, uh, it's on the east side of the ridge and this ridge runs north to south. And so the whole time I thought, cause I kept hearing like, I need the wind in my face, the wind in my face. And so I kept like going out there thinking like, Oh, I just need a west wind. Like that's what I need to hunt that spot. And, you know, I was never seeing anything whenever I had a west wind and so I was like okay well what's going on here and then I started just going out there and sitting like you know kind of with the crosswind and um so like a, a northeast wind and that's when I started seeing you know all these bucks come and start kind of making their way to these scrapes and stuff and so like when I killed mine that morning was he came straight in it was northeast wind and you know went straight to my mock scrape that I made but the, that was kind of like my aha moment was like you know, for like a month and a half, at least I kept saying like, okay, I just need a Northwest wind or a Southwest wind. Um, but no, it was definitely like an East wind. <laughs> Very cool. So you were able to kind of, you know, figure that out throughout the season and kind of figure out, cause I feel like that's the one thing when it comes to like being a listener of the show and we have people that ask us this all the time, like we interview so many different people. And they all have their different takes. They all have their different things. And, you know, some people, they want their wind to their face. Some guys like to hunt a crosswind, you know, sitting down and crosswind to where the deer are traveling. Some people, you know, like Bill Vale talked about, he wants the wind blowing pretty much in the direction he's looking because he's wanting the deer come from left or right uh, of him, like kind of quartering towards him. So there, you have all these different people that have all these different theories and different styles of hunting. And we have people ask us, well, how do you figure out what works for you? And it really comes down to 
just figuring out something for your area that works and just kind of sticking to it and then learning from it instead of taking what any one person says as, you know, whole truth and only doing that. So that kind of sounds like that's kind of what you did was at first you're like, oh, well, I'm just gonna put the wind in my face. I weren't really seeing the deer. And then you started realizing, well, it was some kind of quartering wind slash crosswind. That's when the buck started showing up when you had some kind of easternly wind on the eastern slope. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the wind. And then also I think I heard from one of the guys on the podcast was talking about, um, you know, getting in there like two hours early. And so I started getting in there two hours early to the stand and um which isn't easy because you know I, I live about an hour away from where I hunt and so by the time I get up I usually get up around like 2 a.m 2 30 a.m to get ready and then um and then I get down there and then I have to get in a little you know Edinburgh motor boat <laughs> and kind of uh get myself across and um which has been interesting so this has been a a couple of months of just learning all kinds of stuff. Um, for one, uh, make sure that the, um, the emergency switch is not pulled out from the boat because then you'll have to paddle across and that's not fun in 20 degree weather. <laughs> and then, um, you know, also too, like I always heard that, that does will, or bucks, you know, like will go, like will walk with the wind in their face. And the two times that I've seen who I call old timer, um, he's walked, or come in with the wind to his back. And so I was just like, well, that just is strange, but he's the only one that will do it. Now, you know, the other bucks, they will come in kind of like with a crosswind or the wind to their face. Um, but also the does, they come in with the wind to their back. Um, just the past few days I watched the same ones come in, you know, it was North wind. They both came from the North end of the Ridge. And so I was just like, okay, this is kind of, confusing me a little bit but also I'm kind of just learning as I'm going I'm learning that you know these deer they're all different you know they all have their own personalities and um you know they don't all do the same thing yeah absolutely so that's the that's the that's the I kind of kind of the fun aspect of this episode is kind of seeing you kind of learn through that and kind of tell that story just because for someone that's a listening to the podcast, you know, someone might be listening to the podcast, they've been, you know, bow hunting probably for 30, 40 years, and they're hearing you talk about this, and maybe it kind of gets it to the point of, like, maybe kind of thinking back, like, okay, what it was back when I was starting to hunt, and kind of those struggles that they had, because the problem is I've learned, especially with doing this episode, or doing these podcasts, is when you interview somebody, especially someone who's been doing stuff for a long time, a lot of times they kind of forget about some of the struggles they had early on. And it's more about kind of like the highlights of some of the stuff that's been happening more recently after they've got, you know, a few decades of experience where, again, when you're coming from a newer hunter, and we have a lot of listeners that are like that, a lot of listeners that listen to the show, um, you know, I don't know percentage, but it's a good amount because they reach out to us a good bit, um, you know, talks about, you know, how over the top some of these different guests can be when it comes to just these newer hunters knowledge. And that's really kind of what it comes down to is you're like, you're, you're kind of thrown out, you know, sink or swim, uh, just to try to listen to what some of these people are saying and trying to figure out, Oh, well, what can I try on my place on my farm or my piece of public land or the lease or hunting club, whatever, to try to figure out what will work down there when you're still trying to learn the terminology, you're trying to understand, you know, some of I mean, if you think about thermals is physics and kind of some of the physics and everything of how things can happen and, and work. And you try and put all that together um, in a very short time span, which is just deer season. So it, it's, again, it's interesting to kind of see you talk about some of this stuff and, and hit on those topics, which brings up the question I, I want to kind of get to is, you know, when it comes to the podcast and you've been listening for, you know, just over right around a year or so now, 
what were those, what, what were a few guests or maybe some few topics uh, that's been impactful for you, especially when it came to, uh, you know, you targeting this buck um, that, again, you kind of had your, your mind set on for, for a good little while? Um, I guess the first one that I think that really kind of clicked with me, I guess, because it was kind of similar to the area that I hunt. Um, it was a listener success story uh, with Matthew Gant. Um, talking about bluff gaps and um, he talked about you know beech trees and you know I was like okay well I've got beech trees up on the top of my ridges and stuff um, on, on that finger ridge where I hunt and so you know I never thought about it I guess until like I knew like when I because that's I scouted um, probably starting in like March ish up there and so you know I kind of went up there and I found like you know, a bunch of old rubs and, um, like an old scrape and stuff. And so I realized that that was under a beech tree and I was like, okay, well, there's another beech tree and another one. So this is a good spot then. And, um, so I really learned a lot just from that one, just as far as relating, like how my, because a lot of people that you guys have on too, you know, like they all hunt different types of areas. Um, but I don't know, I feel like a lot of them are more bottoms or more hilly terrain um you know where this is just it's like you know it's ridges and it's bluff gaps and it's just you know it's a lot of steep stuff that most people don't want to get into and so I know that that's what a lot of your you know um guys say that they they're like okay if it's harder to get to then that's where you want to be um but also um you know the killing wind with Travis Murray uh is one of my favorite ones um Glenn Odcock um Tony Myers too. I, I love listening to him. I just love the old school hunters too sometimes because I feel like it gives you a perspective to know how they did things before all this technology came out and how successful they were. And so it makes me feel like, okay, well, if they can do all this and they didn't have, you know, like Onyx snaps or whatever, then I should be able to do this. <laughs> so um, it's just, and it's, it's, nice I don't know I'll, I'll talk to just random people too like whoever will listen um about hunting but um one of my favorite ones though that really like stood out to me was just a recent one um 297 Bobby Worthington uh with closing the deal and you know he talks about patience which is something that I haven't had too much of except for when it comes to hunting for some reason I have all the patience in the world when it comes to being in the woods but um you know I don't know what it was exactly but it's just you know when he was talking about like your shot placement and and where you needed to be and it just kind of it hit me I was just like okay because you know the first time I went out um well do you want me to bring this up now or do you want me to wait well, well I was gonna say well we're I, I'll say this you can tell about the first time I want to get to the actual hunt in just a little bit uh but yeah I mean you can talk about some of the patients like the first time you went out and maybe some of those things that kind of came up for you um, okay, so the first time I went out um, was October 17th, so two days after bow season started. And, um, you know, a, a cold front had just come in. And so I'm sitting there and like, you know, one of my target bucks, I think I did this on one of y'all's Q&As, um, but the one I call old timer, he came out with like a doe group and he came like 20 yards from me. And I was shaking so much I mean I guess it's like buck fever <laughs> and, um, but I was I was up there by myself hunting and so when he came out 20 yards like I just 
lost all sense of knowledge that I had, um, you know, practice with bow hunting and everything for the past like eight months. And, um, you know, when I shot, like I was shaking so bad that, you know, I just clear missed him, went right over him. And, um, and so that kind of was upsetting too, but at the same time it was like, okay, well, at least I know I'm in a good place. And then also I had, you know, uh, Glenn Solomon in the back of my head the whole time I was sitting up there it was like you know first time ends the best time <laughs> so um but it was just it's a very humbling experience as well um just to know that I mean I had these deer on camera too I guess but they you know like when they came in like they walked like right on my trail like they didn't smell me or care about me or whatever and um and so I thought that I was like okay well I must be doing something right because I think it was a uh, might been Richard Fott that talked about like spraying the bottom of your boots before you walk in and keeping everything separate and stuff like that. So, um, you know, that, I guess that led me to be like, okay, well now like I want to hunt him. Like he's been the one that I've been like after. So, but I still haven't gotten him yet though. So <clears throat> I actually remember you posting that question cause I think we answered it and you're like, you know, is, is this deer going to show back up? Do I need to keep hunting him here? Like, so I'm just curious, like, did you ever actually see that deer at that stand site again? Or was he kind of elusive? Yeah, actually, um, which, I mean, I'm not sure exactly how old he is, but I think he, I think he's probably around five and a half ish years old. Um, well, he might be four and a half, but, um, I think it was January the 4th. Um, I went up there and I took my son with me and, um, I had my bow and he had my rifle and it's a double stand. And so, um, we're sitting there and around like eight Oh five, I think, um, I heard, you know, some leaves crunching behind us and I looked, you know, behind the stand or behind his head cause he was sitting to the right of me. And, um, I just saw antlers coming in, which again, it was a, um, it was a Northeast wind and he was coming from the North, like east side of the ridge and um so I looked back and I was just like oh my gosh there's a buck and uh so I told Brody I was like that's my son and I was like you know just stay calm like look down you know because we don't have much cover around this stand and that's another thing I'm kind of learning as well that things are totally different you know in the summertime when you're picking out your trees than versus wintertime when there's you know it's completely bare but um so he comes around from behind us and then he got to like 10 yards in front of us. And, uh, you know, I think whenever I tried to like get my bow up, he like saw the shadow. And so he kind of stopped and kind of like looked back at us. And I think my son was like staring at him in the face. And so it, it spooked him. He blew at us and, you know, kind of ran off and blew at us some more for like another 30 yards. So it was pretty upsetting. <laughs> so what was the, what was the, I guess the difference in time between the first encounter and that second encounter. Like the time of day. Just like, was it a month apart? Was it two months apart? Cause it seemed like it was pretty early in the season. Wasn't it when you first had the encounter? Yeah, it was on October 17th. And, um, and then, yeah, that was, uh, yeah. So, so all the way to January from yeah. October to January. Yeah. Yeah. A little over yeah. two months two and a half months um but I mean he's been there like I've had him back on camera like numerous other times like in daylight um I just wasn't there so it was just pretty upsetting to see him but um 
you know, it's, it's for me, just talking about being new, you know, it's, it's totally different. And it is something that you have to dedicate yourself to like, you know, with bow hunting, like, and I'm a pretty competitive person too. So whenever I got my bow, like I practiced and practiced and practiced for like hours. I practiced in the rain just in case that situation came up. You know, I don't really have a lot of elevation, you know, at my house, which I knew you couldn't really practice standing, you know, at a flat surface or I needed an angle. So I would get my, um, to get my ladder out of the garage and go sit in the driveway and sit on top of my ladder and shoot at my target and, you know, people thought I was crazy probably as they drove by, but, um, it's, it's what it takes sometimes, you know, you, you've got to practice those angles. And then, you know, like Bobby, um, Worthington said too, like, that was another thing I kind of adjusted my pins. Um, and so my top pin is set for, I think right at 16 yards. Um, and then my bottom one or my second one is set for like 22 and I'm not going to like, I don't feel confident enough to shoot over that yardage. Um, but it's just about learning all those different things or, you know, like what broadheads work best and, you know, what eras work best. And, you know, there's just all these little factors that go into play that you don't really think about until you're in it. And, um, it's just, it's something that's, you want to constantly grow with it and get better with it. And, um, that's kind of what I plan on doing, but still, I, I prefer to bow hunt now, you know, over using a rifle, any day unless it's 20 degrees outside then i'll take my rifle (laughs) but um yeah it's me and jacob are kind of just looking at each other like i mean you sound pretty hardcore (laughs) like (laughs) i mean practicing from uh, you know like pulling the ladder out and and shooting uh to i mean waking up at 2 a.m and and taking a boat across the water to get into a spot i mean and you're by yourself <laughs> like <laughs> some of these times like i don't know it just sounds crazy to me like i know grown men that are too afraid to go in for daylight so i know it's um yeah it's uh one time i had to um you know i think i mentioned it i had to paddle across um and we didn't even have i don't know who took we always keep um you know oars in the boat but somebody took them out and so i had you know, I was just drifting off into the river because um, I'd already drifted away from the pier at this point. And so um, I had nothing in the boat other than like a piece of like two by four that was maybe like, um, I don't know, cut like six inches and it had nails all in it. So I had to use that as a paddle like and it's a it's a fiberglass little boat. Um, so it's pretty wide. So it's kind of like you have to just hop to each side if you're going to paddle with your hand. And, um, and then other times too, it doesn't have like lights on it. So, uh, unless I have like my headlamp with me, which I have forgotten a couple of times. So going across in pitch black darkness, or if it's really foggy out too, like, even if you have a headlamp, like you can't see anything and you're just trusting your memory of being like, okay, the pier has got to be here somewhere (laughs) before you get there. So it's, it's, um, I mean, I I don't know. People will keep telling me like, are you going to get burnt out? Like, you're not going to enjoy it anymore, but it's every single time that like I get the chance to be out there. I am, I wake up and I'm so pumped. So I think it's going to take you a long time to get burned out just from, uh, listening to your dedication so far. I mean, if you're paddling across in 20 degree weather with a six inch, uh, oh, piece yeah. of, uh, two by four, then, I mean, it, I think it's going to take you a pretty good little, little while to get burned out. I was pretty upset though, like with whoever, like either my brother or my dad, whoever it was, it took the, the paddles out. But at the time, like the whole way across, I was just like, 
you know, just fuming mad, but I finally got there. So it was fun. So I think a lot of listeners are starting to kind of get a better idea, Olivia, of kind of who you are, but also like your personality and like the determination behind that personality. Um, because that, that's really, that determination is in, um, well, there's another way I'll think about and just say there's a better description, but that, especially that determination is something that definitely plays a huge factor on somebody's success. Uh, no matter how, you know, new they may be, or even like with some of the more experienced hunters, like the ones that are the most successful are, you know, absolutely dedicated. They're determined. They have their system and they hunt hard and hunting hard is hunting hard and having time to hunt to me is the two biggest factors of being successful period. And I think Mike would say that too, as he's over here with his bait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, this year, like I definitely just, I, I did not put it 110% in. It was, it was more like about 60%, like the whole entire season. And that definitely showed how my season went. Um, you know, I had, you know, decent encounters. Um, and then of course, missed the buck. Uh, which tends to happen every single year, um, but uh, but definitely like I mean if if you if you have that drive, then it, it will carry you a long long ways, um, and you have to enjoy like scouting. Um, I I've realized that a lot of the people that are most successful, it seems like they enjoy that that part of the process just as much as being out there and actually killing a deer. Um, I don't know if that's the same way you are, but it definitely was for me and has been for like years now. Um, up until this year, I just, I don't know if I just got burned out or what, but, uh, but definitely like that, that whole process of scouting and putting in the time, you know, before season, um, it definitely goes a long ways. Was that kind of how you're, you know, you did too, or. Yeah. I mean, I, like I was saying, like any chance I could be in the woods, I was in the woods. Um, I mean, even, you know, the other day, like I was going to check, I have another camera set up kind of um, in the middle of this ridge um, because it's, it's slew and then it's got, you know, the one of the ridges is the north to south. And so I've kind of got it in the middle and it's probably about like, I don't know, five, six hundred yards, I guess, um, like from where I start and uh, on my way there you know, the whole time I was just kind of looking around to seeing like, okay, well, what's new, what's fresh, like, are they up here? Cause it's been in the North wind for the past few days or, um, you know, like seeing like, okay, where beds are at, um, you know, looking at the leaves, seeing like where they've been kicked up to learn like, okay, have they taken a new trail? Um, you know, and also, you know, each time, each time I find like a new rub or something, I get like super excited and, uh, or, or scrapes and so you know the other day I was out and um I was coming back from my stand that I have on the west side of this ridge and I found like the biggest rub I've ever seen in my life um even from pictures and stuff you know people post on Facebook pages and I was just like oh my gosh like this is a massive deer like I wonder if if I've had him on camera or if I've never seen him before you know like and it it smelled really fresh too um, so I was just like, he's gotta be somewhere close, but, um, you know, and then, you know, whenever like their rut was like in full swing, it's like all of a sudden, like I knew I had a, a community, you know, scrape or whatever, like right in front of my, one of my stands. But whenever the rut started to hit all of a sudden, like there was like four and five other scrapes just like 
popping up everywhere, like within like a, I guess a 20 yard, maybe a 30 yard radius. And it was just insane to me. I was like, oh my gosh, why are there so many? <laughs> like, um, but again, it's just, it's learning that, okay, well, they want to make, you know, they, they knew the doe were there. So they just wanted to like leave as much sin as they possibly could in that area. So, so with you talking about like seeing like the leaves kicked up and everything, is that something like you just realized on your own or is that something you picked up from previous guests or? Um, I want to say that was something that I kind of realized whenever I was trying to, to track that deer that I missed in January. Um, and I kind of started doing more research then of trails and stuff because I had no, I mean, in Jan, if you were to ask me this time a year ago, the difference between a rub and a scrape, I would have said, I have no clue. <laughs> um, or if you were to ask me anything about deer hunting or just, you know, being in the woods or hunting in general, I would have probably said no clue. Um, but you know, I started getting into like, okay, well, this has got to be a buck trail, you know, and this is a doe trail. And so then as I was trying to track him, I mean, I tracked him for probably around 150, 175 yards probably until we, that was like last blood. And um, so that a little bit of that. And then also I think when your guest mentioned it too, and um, that kind of got me back into it because you know it's kind of like you you learn something you hear something and then you process it and then you just kind of put it in the back of your mind and then you hear something else new and then like you forget about that piece of knowledge and then you know I think whenever one of your guests had brought it back up again um I started paying more attention to that kind of stuff so um I mean it's I don't think that you guys have had on a guest that I did not enjoy listening to I mean it doesn't matter who it is I mean, if it's confusing to some people, like you were talking about, like for new hunters and stuff, I mean, this whole past year, like too, I'd get on the internet and I'd just Google, like sometimes like when you guys were talking about, um, uh, like funnels and pinch points and all that kind of stuff, I was like, I have no idea what this stuff is. So I got on Google and just Googled it. And then, you know, I started learning how to read, you know, topographic maps and I started, um, learning the difference between, you know, the, um, you know, a ridge and, you know, bluff and all this other kind of stuff. So definitely, I mean, if you want to get into it and if you want to learn, I mean, you, you've got the everything, all the tools are just right there. You just got to do it. Um, but I think you guys also make it fun in a way too, to where it's not just boring, you know, it's not just listening to somebody have success over and over and over again. Like if you guys, you talk about the failures and you talk about, uh, you know, if you were just talking about just scouting in general, or finding sign, it's just, it's all those things wrapped into one that, you know, that have helped me. Houndstooth Game Calls is your home for turkey calls this spring. Go check them out. They got all the classic turkey calls. You know, they got the pot calls and the box calls and the mouth calls, but they also got a couple really interesting calls. One of them is called the the success call, and you just need to go look it up. It's very, it's like a box call that you can work with one hand. It's really, really cool. Sounds incredible. They also got the Spurmaster, which is another very unique call that you can get some really unique, clean tones out of. They're going to help you out this turkey season. Use the promo code SOP24 to get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls. That's SOP24. Use it at checkout. It helps the podcast. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. One thing I wanted to ask was, you know, when it comes to like all the guests that you've heard, and I know you mentioned a lot of different names uh, on this episode uh, of just past guests. Is there one guest that maybe like hits home to you or like you, you really kind of connect with better than some of the others that were just like, like of all the people, like you're like, this one is my favorite for whatever reason they maybe had covered or things they said or just, or just their takes on different aspects of, of deer hunting? Um, I don't know if I have like one specific one though. I mean, it, I mean, Tony Myers though, just again, just listening to him though and talk about like all his experiences and everything. Like, you know, I could listen to him come on and talk about stuff every day or I, you know, if I had his number, I'd probably call him every day just to talk to him about stuff or ask his advice on things. Um, but it's, I mean, it's a combination of everybody. I mean, there's, it's hard for me to pinpoint just one specific one because I like all of them. Um, but also, you know, recently too, I'm going to bring up another name, Clifton Denny, talking about the wind currents um, because I am on a ridge and, um, you know, I'm kind of in that, the bottom third, I guess, part of the ridge. And um, and so when he talked about like using the blower and stuff like that really hit home, like he kind of, he dumped things down for me enough so uh, to help me understand and um and so yeah it's just i don't know it's hard for me to pinpoint one i like i like there's just so many of them (laughs) well perfect i I, i'm kind of the same way i'm not gonna lie i got got a couple favorites but they're they're all solid which kind of gets me over i want to talk about olivia you know this bug that you that you were able to kill uh and kind of like your fall progression because again this is your first year ever bow hunting first season ever bow hunting i mean i think you said you picked up a bow like eight months ago so yeah. <laughs> can you can you talk about a little bit like what were some of those challenges at first especially and maybe some of the challenges you still may have with a bow um and uh and actually it might be worth talking about because i know come to find out we have uh some guys that listen um who are actual um you know competition archers that actually live up there by you uh so maybe uh you know depending on what issues you may have we got tons of people that can kind of give some examples actually one guy reached out to me uh michael james know? yeah james hornbuckle mm-hmm. trying to try and get in <coughs> yep. do some uh Alabama uh, bow hunter was it Alabama? It's BHA bow hunters of Alabama. Anyways, uh, doing some of their shooting competitions and everything, and which I think would be good for all of us to be honest. Yeah, it'd be really cool. Yeah. So, but you know, what's that that, that progression been like? So, so you, you picked up a bow again like eight months ago. What were some of those, the first struggles and things that you were trying to overcome before season came in? Um. Well, accuracy for one, like learning how to sight it in myself. Um, my husband helped me at first, and. Um, and he kind of showed me the initial, you know, like how to move things or adjust things. 
And so then I would just get out there and I would just constantly shoot to see like, okay, well, if it's a little bit to the right, this is what I need to do to fix it. Or if it's a little high or a little low or like, you know, and then my poundage too, like I was, um, I started out at 50 pounds and I've only gone up to like 53 right now. So but my goal is to keep increasing that. Um, but it was just because I, I didn't want to make another bad shot. Um, I think that was in the back of my head the whole time too. And that's why I practiced so much was that I knew that if I, if I was going to do that, if I was going to take that bow out, then I had to be 100,000% confident, like, you know, in my shot to know that, you know, I would kill the deer and, you know, not just wound it. Um, and so with my pound, like just learning in general, like, okay, like I have a lower poundage. So, you know, what kind of broadhead do I need? And I went to multiple different stores, talked to tons of different people, you know, got their opinions on things. Um, but I tested out a few different ones and it's just about like what works best for you. And, um, and you know, like your draw length and your poundage, all that stuff plays a factor in it. And, um, and then too, like your arrow, like I know you guys have aren't fans of FMJs or I don't know if all of you aren't. But, I'm um, definitely not. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love them. Um, I mean, I've, I've used, um, and it too, like learning, like, you know, um, what, weight on arrow I need you know like do I need a heavier arrow do I need a lighter arrow it's just all these learning factors you know from square one that I had no idea I thought maybe I was like okay I'm just gonna get a bow get some arrows and you know put some sharp heads on them and be good no (laughs) it was not just that it was you know distance and you know again you know like with the broadheads too it was you know, some people like mechanical, some people like hybrids, some people like fixed. And I tried, all, I bought like all three of them. And so I figured out that I'm more of a fixed broadhead kind of a person. <laughs> so, um, but again, everybody's, everybody's different. So I think that that's what it is. It's like somebody can tell you their opinion on something and then might work great for them, but you know, it's not going to work great for you. Um, so it's just learning on your own. And then too, I had, um, I made the mistake one time of uh, changing out um, my whisker biscuit to a drop release, and it was terrible. And I don't know what was wrong with it, but I mean, I was shooting like I had a really tight grouping um, at 16, 17 yards, and I was consistent for like a week. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, I'm going to go try out something new. You know, like, I'm going to go get this like drop release, and it's going to be great. No, as soon as I like tried it out, like my arrows went like, four inches like to the left and then adjusted and then they went four inches to the right and then they just it was not working for me <laughs> so I was like nope taking this off putting my whisker biscuit back on so um and too like if you were asking me a year ago like what a whisker biscuit was I would have probably said like a, a firework or something from Joe Dirt because <laughs> 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 I had no clue <laughs> about any of this stuff so um and again, just practicing over and over and over and over again. Uh, I practiced so much to where um, my neighbor, you know, she would come out there and she saw like how much I was enjoying it. And um, she actually got a bow, um, the same one that I have. And um, she's been practicing with it now. Like that's her hobby. And then also, you know, when my cousins, um, she bought a bow. So now that's one of her hobbies. And, um, and so it's just, 
it's, it was just this fun thing for us to do and, um, you know, kind of get out of the house too, you know, like everybody was stuck inside for so long with COVID and, and, um, it was just nice being able to talk about those things to other females too. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's one thing I can't imagine, uh, you know, for a woman, you know, especially, you know, late onset, just talking like as an adult trying to get into hunting and yeah, you know, your husband hunts, but again, the, the amount of detail that you're trying to put into it again is a fairly high level. Again, you're not just looking at it from a, just a very basic, I'm just going to buy a bow. I'm just going to go hunt. Like you're truly trying to make yourself better in all aspects of it from the woodsmanship to the, just to be able to shoot and make ethical shots and keeping yourself together in those kind of high pressure situations. Um, and again, there, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stress in those kind of situations, especially as a new person, you're trying to learn this stuff, especially just trying to put it all together, but you were able to have success as you're doing so. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about this bucks and, and the hunt that took place, but also some of the, the I guess, uh, important details that happened before this, you know, hunt actually happened of kind of how you were able to figure some stuff out throughout the fall, all the way up to the time you actually were able to shoot this buck. So can you kind of walk us through, again, maybe some of those important details that happened before the actual hunt took place, like the day you actually shot him and then kind of what that progression was like? Um, yeah. Uh, so, um, one thing I learned about too was, um, was mock scrapes. Um, and you know, using your own scent and mock scrapes, which also, if you were to ask me that a year ago, I would have been like, no, absolutely not. That's terrible. Um, even a couple, like six months ago, I'd have been like, nope, that's not a thing. People don't do that. <laughs> I was like, you're going to scare all the deer off. And um, turns out, though, it does not. Um, so I started doing mock scrapes um, probably in like mid-September, I guess. Um, and so like every time I'd be in the woods, um, you know, before hunting season opened up, I would, um, it's probably like maybe like once every two weeks, I guess, before hunting season started. So not very often. Um, but I would go by and I'd, you know, do these mock scrapes and, um, and then I didn't really think anything of it. Cause I mean, I had, had deer on camera in that area, you know, all year. And, um, so I think it wasn't until when I missed that buck and on the 17th that um, I started paying more attention to it and started like really thinking like, okay, well that buck was going into one of his scrapes, um, which is a community scrape actually. But, um, and so really at the end of October was when I started like consistently, you know, keeping up with these mock scrapes. And um, so And I think one of your recent guys talked about like the 48 hour thing, which is kind of what I was seeing too. Like, you know, they would come in and they would hit that scrape hard, like at all hours of the day um, and at night, you know, within that 24 or 48 hour period. Um, So the Friday before this hunt, um, you know, I had been hunting that morning and I had tended my mock scrape. And, um, and so that was kind of a thing that, I was like, okay, I know I've got 24 to 48 hours, like, you know, to use this. And, uh, and so I think Sunday, that was Friday. Yeah. So Sunday was the hunt day. So you want me to start with that? Yeah, absolutely. And also, I guess you can say again, you know, it's October 17th when you, you, uh, you know, missed the opportunity or just, you know, missed the buck, um, that came into that mock scrape. And let me ask, what was the stand set up like? I mean, kind of why were you, why did you decide to put your stand in this one spot and then, you know, place those mock scrapes around there in, in the way that you did? 
Well, um, because, well, for one, it's a, it's a big hike up that hill. And uh, so you can't take ATVs or bikes or anything else up there. So literally you're just carrying everything up, you know, like a, I don't know, 80 degree angle hillside for about 200 yards. And, um, and it was me and my brother, he helped me. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I owe him a, a tenderloin for that. But, um, so once we got up there though, we realized, or I realized that, okay, this is a great spot because it's a, it's open hardwoods, but it's also, um, like a, a pine transition area. And then it's, you know, the top of that finger or the east side of that finger, and so I was like, okay. And I just found their trails too. So I was still learning a lot. I think we put those stands up in August. Um, and so I was always seeing sign up there. I always had like a deer on camera because I, I put cameras out back in March. And so that's kind of, I put one camera on one side of the ridge on the west side. And then I had another camera on the east side of the ridge. And so I learned their patterns, um, you know, and I would sit there, too, and I would study each picture of me, like, okay, they came in from this way at this time. What was the wind on that day? Why'd they come in right here? Or, um, you know, just trying to figure out which direction they were going, which I think when you guys talked about the GPS study, y'all talked about, like, how they have, like, a oval kind of territory um, or egg shape, like, area, mm-hmm. and which is exactly what I found. Um, and so I knew that, okay, like, in order for them like to get to oh i forgot to mention so when i first went up there the first time i ever gone up here um well since i was a kid hiking i noticed that there was a ton a ton of beds just i mean this whole place was covered with like beds everywhere and um there's a lot of just sun everywhere and there were like some rubs you know from um the season that had just ended and so i was like okay this is you know, good area. We've got transition, we've got, you know, hardwoods, we've got, um, white oaks, there's red oaks, there's beech trees. There's, I mean, all different kind of diverse things going on up there. And also like, it's, uh, it's really, really thick too. Like right before it hits all those, like that dense pine area. Um, it's just, it's, it gets like, I mean, it's not thick enough to where you can't walk through it, but it is to where like you have to kind of duck and kind of bob and weave, especially like if you have like a gun or something with you, um, and so it's, I knew that that was like the open spot, like the feeding area, the bedding area. Also, those bucks could sit up there um, and they could see, you know, in three different directions, you know, kind of all around them. And so I was like, oh, yeah, this is definitely going to be like his, his area. Um, so we decided to put the, um, the double stand up on the east side just because that was like the more open side. And then I have a, a lock on on the west side. So, um, that was kind of why we decided to put that stand where it is now, which now that I'm learning to, after my first season, I need to do some adjusting, um, with all of them. I also have a climber that I leave up there. That's on the, uh, the North or the middle side, I guess, of this Ridge. So that way, if whatever the wind is or anything like that, like I've got hopefully some chance in one of them. <laughs> Well, perfect. So kind of going into the season a little bit more, uh, you know, kind of getting longer to the year, what was the actual date uh, when you shot this buck? Uh, December 12th. December 12th. So in, in your area, um, when do you think the rut is, or from what you've been told and what you've seen, like what kind of is the time frame for the rut in that area? Um. Well, I want to say it kicked up 
probably right after Christmas because on December 28th, um, I was up there and um, I had a buck come in running after some does. You know, long story short, I missed him also. I shot a yard that I should not have been shooting. I was just super excited. But um, so definitely from seeing him, it was it's probably around like late December till um, I wanted to say it went until like January 8th ish mm-hmm. sometime around then. Um, it's kind of just what I'm learning from, especially with pictures too, like with my cameras and stuff. I mean, they're not, I don't have cell cams. Um, and so I always, you know, look at them after the fact, but just seeing like uh, when their necks are swollen or, you know, what they look like when they've gone down, stuff like that. Awesome. Well, perfect. Well, let's kind of, kind of getting over to this hunt. Uh, you know, what were some of those progressing steps, you know, a day or two before, you know, the reason you kind of select the spot, what was the wind conditions and, and kind of let us, you know, lay the hunt out for us and kind of how it all played out. Well, <laughs> it wasn't really, uh, too thought out, I guess, other than I knew that I had, had uh, done the mock scrape on Friday. Um, but Saturday night I was at my neighbor's house and I knew I was going to go hunt the next morning. Um, but um, asked my neighbor's sister was over there and she'd never been hunting before. Um, like ever been in the woods, nothing like that. And, um, and so we had had, I guess a whole long conversation about it. And then finally I asked her, I was like, well, do you want to go with me? And she was like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, sure. Just go with me. Like, I mean, if anything, you can just sit there and just enjoy the woods waking up. Cause that's one of my favorite things. And, um, and I was like, but you know, we've, We've got like a 45 hour minute drive down there. Um, we had to get a boat to get across. It's frigid cold. I think too, the temperature had dropped as well. And, um, and so that was kind of another positive factor in it. And then, um, so she agreed. We like kind of packed up our stuff. We got down there like nine that evening. And, um, you know, I was trying to explain all this stuff to her and she just kind of was extremely overwhelmed. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> I was just excited that somebody wanted to go with me, I guess, too. I mean, I love going by myself. Like, that's just kind of, it's very peaceful. But also, like, I love sharing it, and I want to share it with everybody that I know. Um, So the fact that she was, like, pumped to go, and, you know, the next morning, I kept thinking, like, okay, this is the hard part, like, waking her up. Because I think we woke up at, like, 3 3 a.m., and, uh, but she popped right up and then, you know, I'm, uh, I'm very cautious with my scent too. So I was like, okay, look, you also have to take a shower, you know, at 3 a.m. And, um, you know, and all the scent-free stuff and, you know, lotions, everything we can add on. Like, and uh, so she was like, okay. So that got me even more fired up because I was like, oh, yeah, she's, this is great. Like, you know, she's never been in the woods before. She's never been down. We call it the river house. And you know, again, like there's no, um, like central heating and air down there either. So when it's, you know, 30 degrees outside, it gets pretty chilly inside. Um, but, uh, she was, um, she was a trooper about it, but yeah. So, I mean, that's some positive things leading up to it was, you know, I knew I had the mock scrape, um, temperature drop, and then also it was going to be a Northeast wind. Um, and so I was, you know, I was feeling good about it. And, um, so we get up there and I want, I usually like to get up to the stand like two hours before, like I said, but I knew with 
her. Um, we'd get out there a little bit later. I think sunrise was at um, like right around seven ish that day. Um, and we got up to the stand at five forty, I want to say. And um, and again, it's it's a hike, you know, to get up there. It's like one of those like you got to take a couple of pit stops to catch your breath, just about. Especially when it's cold, you have a bunch of layers on, you can't really move. And um, you know, at one point, it's like you're standing on the ground and you can touch the side of this ridge like with your fingers. And um, so we we finally got up there and. Uh, and you know the whole time I'm pretty, I'm pretty anal too when I'm in the woods. That's probably why some people don't like to go with me is because, you know, you guys talk too about like you know how you walk in the woods. You know, like be mindful of that and try to walk softly. Well, it's a bunch of dry leaves up there, so it's impossible to walk quietly. But um, so I would try to be like, okay, well, walk where I walk. Well, that wasn't happening. And so she was just trying to keep up with me. And so then I was like, okay, well, we're here at the stand. And um, once we got up there and we got sat down, uh, she wasn't feeling too great. Um, I don't know if it was nerves or if it was just that hike or what. But I remember looking over at her again. This is like it's pitch dark outside. And um, I was like, you know, look up at the at the sky, like because the stars are really, really clear down there. And as soon as I said that, she looks at me and she was like I feel sick and I was like well do you need some water and she said no I think I'm gonna throw up and I was like no 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 you know don't do that and um you know next thing I know yeah just all over like the side just just leaned over and just all over the side of the stand so I'm just like this is great this is so great (gasps) oh my gosh (laughs) yeah I mean it was it was you know we're about 18 feet up too so I mean it's and it wasn't like a you know, a, a soft, you know, type. it was like a, a, you know, like a hurling your guts up type of thing. And she looks at me and she goes, did I just ruin everything? But I said, probably. And, um, so then I was just sitting there and I was just like, I gave her some water. And um, I said, here, like try to pour the water like on top of it, you know. And then, like, I threw some grunt calls up, too, just being, like, maybe that'll cover up some of that noise that was just made. And um, and so we're sitting there, and, like, I knew she felt bad, like, because she just, you know, she was so excited to go up there. And then, like, she felt like she let me down and all this stuff. And so right before daylight hit, like, I could smell it. And I was like, this is not good. This is terrible. <laughs> and then, uh I just was sitting there thinking in my head, and I was like, we're not going to see anything today. This is going to be a terrible day. And so I got down from the stand because I was like, I've got to fix this somehow, some way. So I got down from the stand, and, like, I walked over, and, like, I just, I took, um, I think I had, like, a bucket lid up there or something. But I took it, I was just, like, scraping dirt and leaves all over it, like, all over the top of it to try to cover it up. And um, as I was doing that, I was, uh, you know, throwing some grunt calls out, too. So... I got back up in the stand and then I was just like, well, at least we get to enjoy sunrise, you know? And, um, she still was looking at me like, Oh, I'm so upset. Oh, I'm so upset. And then, um, and then about 30 minutes later, I started hearing like, you know, uh, Turkey that were probably like, you know, 60, 70 yards from us. And I was like, Oh, do you hear that? You know? And she's like, what is that? And I was like, those are Turkey. And she was like, Oh, I've never heard Turkey in the woods. 
So, and then I think a, a blue heron too, like went over us and she was like, what was that? And I was like, a blue heron. And she was like, what's that? And I was like, a bird. So the whole time I was just like, this is a very educational morning at least, you know, like she's learning a lot <laughs> about the woods in general. And then um, I want to say at like 7.30-ish, um, all these turkeys came out. I mean, I think there was like two toms and I can't remember if they were hens or jakes. They were a little far away. But um, I had never seen them either. I mean, I turkey hunted all this past year and never saw one with my own eyes in the woods unless it was on the side of the road as I was leaving. Um, and so I looked over and I was like, oh, that's great. You know, like, at least I know, like, I'm just sitting there watching him, you know, and I told her and I was like, oh, look, you know, just watch him. So at that point, I had decided that it wasn't a complete terrible morning, even though me being such a scent freak, you know, take the time to like, I wash all my clothes, like I dust them down. I keep them in a separate thing. I don't wear my boots anywhere but the woods. I spray everything down. I mean, I'm just very scent cautious. And then walking up there, I'm very cautious on how much sound you make. And, you know, here she is and just, you know, vomited all over the side <laughs> of the skin in the woods. And so, um, but yeah, I was just like, okay, well, at least it wasn't a complete waste. I hope she's learning some stuff at least. And, uh, and she was, I think she was excited. But then we're just sitting there kind of looking off and um, all of a sudden, like, I just see movement, like about 120 yards, you know, to the right of me or to the left of me. And, um, and this is where, because it was a northeast wind, so it was 120 yards um, south of me and it was coming over the top of this finger or from where the bottom comes up. And uh, this is right about the time, too, that the thermals were uh, rising. And so uh, he just came in. Like, I mean, I just saw movement. And all of a sudden, like, I mean, this buck just came in. He didn't give a crap about anything in the woods. He didn't care who was there, what was going on. I mean, he came straight in, straight to the mock spray that I had made on Friday and was actually in the process of, um, you know, doing the scrape is, is when I shot him. But um, I remember... You know, I told her, I was like, oh, there's a buck. Oh, there's a buck. Oh, he's coming. And so she had the rifle um, kind of like sitting on my lap because we took both up there. And um, I had my bow. And uh, I couldn't get my bow up yet to draw until she had to move the rifle first. So I was afraid I wasn't be able to get it up in time. And um, But luckily, you know, we're sitting down too. So he, he came in at like 13 yards, I think is about how far that is. And, um, as soon as he looked down, I just quickly drew back. And I just remember thinking like what Bobby Worthington was saying about like just shot placement and like, you know, aiming a little bit lower, um, you know, in the back of the shoulder, like kind of where the, the I think he said the foreleg elbow or something like meets. <laughs> so I remember like, that's where I aimed. And, um, and when I shot, like I saw him, I heard the thump and I'd never heard the thump before. So I heard it and I watched him kick up and run off. And I looked at her and she was like, you got him. And I was like, did I though? Did I get him? And she was like, yeah, I think so. And I was like, well, you know, where's my arrow? Where's my arrow? Did my arrow stick in him or what? And um, I remember which way he went. But at this point, like, you know, I had already missed one before. And so, um, you know, I try to look through my binoculars to try to find my arrow. But I think I was like shaking too much that I couldn't find it. And uh, so... I waited about five minutes. I got down, uh, went over and saw my arrow and saw that it was like just covered in blood. And at that point, 
that's when I was like, I looked back at her and I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm so bummed. <laughs> and she was like, yeah. And, up there. and then I got back up in the sand. She was like, you just killed a bug. And I was like, I know. What happened? Like, what a crazy morning. You know, it's just crazy. Like, and she was like, um, uh, you know, I, I thought I ruined it. And I was like, I did too. I really did. I, I thought that we, that was it. I thought that was it, honestly, for this whole season almost. Cause I mean, I don't know if that's ever happened to anyone else, but it's definitely not ideal. Um, but, um, uh, I told her she was my good luck charm though. Anyways. Um, so, oh, funny story though. Sidetrack. Uh, whenever I did miss that buck in January, um, the other couple that had went hunting with us, um, the girl had actually thrown up in the stand they were in that morning, which was about probably hundred yards from where we were. So maybe there's something to that. <laughs> I don't know, but it's uh, clearly didn't bother either one of those bucks. Um, but so, you know, get back up in the stand, freaking out. I call my husband, tell him. And, um, you know, the last time I thought that I had gotten that deer, you know, he hiked all the way up the hill, and then when he realized I clean missed him, he was just like, really? Okay, let me know when you really shoot something before I come up this hill, so or this ridge. And uh, so that time I called him, and I was like, no, I definitely did. Like, there's there's blood all over, and I could tell it was a little bubbly, too. So I was like, it's definitely a long shot. And, um, and so I had to wait on him to get down there. So about two hours went by, and based off, I guess um, – what I've read too, like I was going to give him at least, you know, three, four hours before I started tracking him. Well, my husband gets down there and he's so dang excited that he's like halfway up the hill before I can even say anything. And so I was like, well, wait, we need, we need to wait a second. And he was like, Nope, we're not going to wait. Let's go get him. You said you, it was a straight pastor. Then he should be dead. And I was like, uh, I don't think so, but okay. And so we get up there, we start tracking, we find good blood. And, um, we went about 200 yards, um, to the other side of the ridge where there was a slow down and we get like five yards from this buck and he's on the other side of the blowdowns. So we couldn't see him. And he just hops up and just like blows at us and runs off. And I looked at my husband and I was like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> I just now like got this buck since the last one that I had, you know, missed and, if I just lost him because we came out here too early and he's so upset. And he was like, no, 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 we'll get him. So I was like, okay. So my emotions at this point were just like, they were super high because I knew I got him, but then they just went downhill. And then we tracked him for like another hundred yards and, um, bumped him again, you know, stood up, blew at us, ran off again. And at, at that point I was just like, I was, I was furious. I was just like, he's, you know, He's gone. We're not going to find him. Like, this is going to be terrible. But then we just kept finding blood. Um, and finding blood or tracking a deer in that many leaves um, and on ridges and stuff like that is extremely difficult, I've learned. So definitely going to call you next time um, for a little help with your dog. So, Because <laughs> it's, it's not easy for human eyes to find little tiny specks of blood on uh, brown leaves everywhere. But, um... So we tracked him again all the way down to like, um, it's a, at the 
I guess there's a draw that comes up um, or drainage, sorry, uh, that comes up on the other side of this ridge. And uh, it goes down to like a little inlet, I guess, off the river. Because, again, like we're in a slough and we're on the opposite side. And uh, so we tracked him all the way down to like this house that's in that little inlet. And uh, he basically went right next to the house. Uh, went all the way up to like where they had they have like cement stairs that go down into the water, and then there's a ton a ton of blood right there. I mean it's just everywhere, but then it just ends, it goes nowhere, and so I was like, what happened to him? Where did he go? Like he had to go somewhere, and my husband was like, well he probably tried to swim over there, and I was thinking in my head, okay well he must have died and he must be around this bank somewhere, you know, where like there's no way he made it up. Cause I looked at the other side too, um, of the bank and there was no like disturbance, no like leaves kicked up, nothing like that. So I, in, I knew he didn't make it to the other side. And so my husband was like, he probably sank. And at that point I was just like, my heart just sank. Like it just sank all the way to my toes. Cause I was I never recovered that one, and that's what got me into this. And in my head the whole time, I was like, I cannot lose another one. You know, I just can't. And uh, so I told him, I was like, well, I'm going to go get a paddle and stuff. So, I mean, it's just, it's right up on this, um, right up on the bank, too, like uh, where their house kind of, I guess, uh, kind of almost like a beachy kind of area goes off. And um, like where they're, I don't know if you know what a, um, a seawall is but like where a seawall meets kind of like the little bank mm-hmm. so i took a paddle and i'm sitting there like with this paddle just like feeling all in the water to see if i feel anything and i was like nope don't feel nothing so i was really really bummed about that and then i decided you know i was just gonna go get like a treble hook to see if i could get him that way if he did sink to the bottom so got treble hook went back out because i had to go all the way back to our house to get it hiked all the way back over to this side and threw the treble hook in, like, I don't know, probably a good 20 times at least, uh, just in all different directions. Got nothing but, like, seaweed and felt really, really bummed. And so then I went back and got Shannon, and um, that was the girl that went with me. And she came back with me over there, and still nothing. So as we were, like, pulling out, because we went – by pontoon boat that time because it was a lot easier than uh hiking and so on the way back out like we noticed like on the very tip of like the bank i guess um like on the very end of it you know i noticed a little brown lump kind of like up on a log and i thought at first that kind of looked like a a beaver almost which is weird to say because i just it it looked strange because i was probably looking at it from like 100 yards and so as I got closer to it, I was like, no, that's something. That's got to be something. And then we got about five yards from it. And then that's kind of like whenever I saw, that's when I saw the antlers, uh, you know, still in the water. And so I just, I don't remember exactly what I did. If I screamed, I mean, at this point we had been tracking that deer for four hours, um, give or take an hour, I guess, or so. So I just, you know, once I, once I got a hold of him, Cause she was saying like, well, let me help you get him onto the boat. And I don't know if it was my adrenaline or what, but like, I just, I pulled the whole deer, like just straight onto the pontoon boat. Cause I was like, I'm, he's not going anywhere. Like he's, <laughs> I got him. He's here. Like, 
I was so ecstatic. And I don't know, like I posted a video too of me like coming in from the pontoon boat and you could still like hear me shaking some, but it was just, it was just that feeling of like recovering and too and knowing, knowing that you didn't just wound an animal, you know, and that's what would make me so sick to my stomach was not knowing like the unknown, I guess. Um, so knowing that I made a good shot placement and turns out when we took him to the processor, it was a double long shot. So, I mean, we just bumped him too many times, but it's just, you know, all these things that you, you learn and that you hear from everyone. Like, I guess as you, as I started this journey, some of that stuff, you know, was thrown out the window (laughs) like that, that day. Uh, so it's just, I guess you, like I was saying earlier, like you just never know what's going to happen. Like each day that you're out there, like it's going to bring something new. And, uh, but that day is a day for sure that I will always remember. Um, just because too, like that's, my family's been a part of that. It's technically a hunting and fishing club. Um, it's, so it's not like my family owned, but my family started it almost a hundred years ago. Um, my great grandfather did. So nobody has hunted that side of the slough or like that ridge in probably like 50 years. And I knew my great grandfather did when he was down there and he was probably the last person in my family to hunt that I know of. So it's just all these emotions, you know, it was like all this time and work that I had put in and practicing and just hours just spent and waking up and all this other stuff just, you know, they just come over you and you just, you feel so fulfilled to know that like you, you did this and you did it, you know, on an area where, you know, your, your great grandfather used to do this kind of stuff. And I don't know, just, it was just very emotional (laughs) day, I guess too. And uh, it's definitely something that, you know, I wish that my great-grandfather could see. But I know he's looking at me from, from up there, so it's it's exciting. Well, I know a lot of people can probably relate to some extent um, just on the cluster of a hunt that went on. Because I know me and my dad and brother, when we hunted together, if everything kind of went to hell in a handbasket, that was the time that we were going to kill a deer. Somebody forgot their gun. We had to turn around an hour, and, you know, drive back, get a gun, come back. We're getting in there late. We're bumbling around. You forgot something else. Like, it, it never felt like the, the worst kind of hunt you could possibly imagine, you know, getting in there. That was the day that you are going to be successful just about. So, like, hearing you say that, you know, she was throwing up, you're just like, oh, my God, it's over with. You know, like, I know a lot of people can probably relate to that. Jacob's shaking his head. Do you have any stories like that? Yeah, I mean, it's happened so many times where, like, it's like everything's going wrong, and then all of a sudden you kill, like, a nice buck. Yeah. Like, and you're like, oh, well, I guess it wasn't going wrong. So, yeah, I mean, like, a lot of the deer, like, I've killed, it's been like that. Like, even the the, the freaking deer in Tennessee, when we left, remember, like, we left between the rainstorms, and, like, we were like, oh, crap, the rain stopped. And I was like, oh, crap, there's going to be somebody there, all this kind of stuff. And, like, we yeah. get back, and it was, you know, turned out fine. But, yeah. um, you know, yeah, that this is that, that's very relatable, even though I've never had someone throw up in the woods with me. <laughs> yeah, but, me uh, neither. That is, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's pretty intense. De- yeah. that, definitely, she was marking her territory for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's, you know, I've heard of 
all other kind of sense stuff happening too. And it's just, uh, it was just one of those things where I was like, out of all the things that could go wrong, like that might be probably one of the worst things that could happen, uh, being up there other than, you know, missing for sure. But, uh, it was, but, and uh, so many positives came out of it though. I mean, um, now she's just obsessed with bow hunting. Like she got one for Christmas and now she's into it and she's practicing every day. And, you know, she's always texting me. She actually listens to you guys now, like religiously. So it's just, it's, it's having her out there and then having like my first experience being shared, like with her first experience ever. Uh, I think that, that she'll never forget that either. Um, and so that makes me feel like, okay, well, this is what I want to continue doing. Like I want to continue to try to, to learn as much as I can. So that way I can share this and share these experiences. People don't, they don't know, like I never knew the excitement that it brought you until, I mean, I had, I was excited the other times, um, especially with my five point, just cause that was the first time my husband had ever grunted in a buck before. Um, so that was like his first, um, and, my first with my rifle, but it's just sharing those experiences with people. And it's, it's so like something I've, I have never known before in my life. So, uh, in just growing it, because I know there's, especially like for women, there's not near enough like women that get into this sport. Um, and that's another, like you talked about challenges earlier, a challenge is trying to find, camo that will fit <laughs> and not have to buy online because you want to know like what it feels like you know is it loud is it quiet is it soft is it tough like you can't touch things you know online and you know for guys it's so easy like you guys just go in just about any outdoor store and you know you can choose from umpteen different brands but for women you go into an outdoor store and there might be like one or two brands there and that's it and it's they don't give you a variety of like, you know, cold weather or warm weather or, you know, late season. We just don't have those same, um, I guess, opportunities. And so that was kind of a struggle. And I think too, like, like my son, like I bought him a bow for, for Christmas. So now we have like this whole like circle of bow hunters around us and, uh, and so, and my son, he's been, you know, since Christmas, he's been all in, like, watching YouTube videos on it and practicing and practicing and practicing. And he's, he's pretty dang good. And I'm pretty upset because I'm like, you know what, it took me eight months to get that good. And you did it in, like, three weeks. But uh, he's, uh, he's 10, so he is, he's actually going to go hunt with his dad this weekend. So I'm, I'm wishing him luck out there, but he wants to take his bow with him. So I told him, I said, you know, if you, if you do this, you've got to make sure that uh, you practice enough because it's been like a week since you have, and you know, you've got to feel confident before you do it. So I think there's just a lot and it's just sharing those experiences too. Cause life can get so crazy now. I mean, it's always go, 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 or it's just, you don't really get to slow down. And so I think being in the woods and then, understanding all these different animals not just deer but understanding you know like that's just how life works so it gives you a whole new perspective yeah absolutely well 
you know, Olivia, I appreciate you coming on. I know, you know, we, we both, me and Michael both appreciate you coming on sharing your story just because it is a, it's an interesting story. You know, I think it's going to be really relatable with a lot of people. Um, just because, you know, for the guys that's been hunting or just, you know, for anyone that's been hunting for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, you know, some of this might kind of light a fire under them of like what it was like when they first got started and like kind of remembering those, you know, those kind of those days. And then also for the new people kind of hearing your story and how you've been able to pick up on a lot of things in a short period of time and really try to progress as a hunter. Um, I think it's going to be inspiring for them too, which is fantastic. Cause like you said, you know, we need, you know, especially when it comes to like this women, uh, in the, uh, the outdoor world and deer hunting in general, uh, I don't know many women. I don't really know any women. It's at least as hardcore as you are. I mean, just yeah. Mike, Mike. I mean, Mike, yeah. Mike was like wording that earlier. Like she's about as hardcore. Yeah, as I mean, anybody. it sounds like I mean, just mind blowing. Like the amount of information you're spitting out. I mean, I mean, it. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot for anybody. Um, but it, it's it's been something that's been you know interesting to kind of hear your story and pick that up and, and again be able to share it with the listeners because I think it's going to be relatable with a lot of people. Um, but Olivia, again, I want to appreciate you coming on. Was there any final things or anything you wanted to uh, touch on just before we totally wrap this episode up? Um, yeah, I mean, to anyone that's, that's out there and has had, you know, bad moments or missed or not been able to recover, um, deer or, you know, have it, have gone multiple seasons without killing a deer. Um, I mean, just stick with it. Like just keep, like, don't ever let that fire go out like you were talking about. Like, it's just, I mean, this is something that, you know, I, I want to evolve in and and I want to grow with for a long time. I know that this is something I'm extremely passionate about. I know some people call it obsessive or crazy or whatever. But, you know, to, you know, no matter who you are, whether man, woman, whether you're young, you're old, like, you can you can still do things. I mean, there are, you know, don't ever let anyone, like, doubt you. Because I know with me, like, it's like I'm, you know, I'm this blonde female who came from a world of catering and event planning and weddings and all this glam. And a lot of people just kind of doubted me or not necessarily doubted me, but they just, you know, they they were more set kind of in their ways of how they did things. And um, and with me, that's just not the case. I was like, well, I, I'm again, I'm hard headed and I want to learn things on my own. So. I feel like if, if people have a, a dream or if they have a goal, then you can achieve it. You just, you've got to put in the work. You've got to put in the time and the research. And and I still have a ton to learn. So I will continue listening to you guys every single episode, <laughs> um, especially when turkey season comes out, because that's the one that's, that's really tough for me. So, uh, I mean, I just, I really appreciate you guys appreciate you guys too again like i would have i would i don't think i would be at this point or i would be this obsessive or passionate about it if you guys weren't because when you guys talk to people um whether you're a guest or just between yourselves you know you can hear you know the uh the drive that you guys have also and so i think that that fires me up even more because it's just it's something like you it's just a mystery like the woods are just a big mystery and it's just like you know figuring it out it's like this huge puzzle that you're never going to solve but we continue to try anyway uh so i think a large part of this um you know is a huge thanks to y'all and like everything that you do and all the guests that you guys have on and um you know i don't listen to the radio anymore like i'll just listen to the podcast which is 
again, it's uh, obsessive, I guess, but it's, I, I enjoy it. So don't let anyone tell you that, you know, you're crazy or whatever. If you like it, keep doing it. Awesome, awesome. Well, Olivia, we appreciate you coming on. Thanks again. And, of course, all the other listeners out there, uh, we're going to keep these listener success stories rocking and rolling throughout the year. So if you've had success, uh, like Olivia, just you know, picking up things from the show and being able to use them and having success, uh, whether, it, of course, it's deer hunting related or when we come to turkey hunting, same thing with the turkey hunting content, uh, shoot us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or shoot us an email on our contact page on the website. And uh, maybe we'll choose you for a future episode of the Southern Outdoorsman podcast. But, Olivia, thank you again for coming on the podcast. And, uh, hey, best of luck to you. We still got a little bit of season left. I know we got turkey season coming up, too. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you, guys. And, and good luck to everyone else that still has some season left as well. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman. And thank you to Blackberry Smoke for the music for the podcast. Also, to follow along with us, make sure you check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Until next time, y'all stay Southern. Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you, it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you, you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it. You're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no-brainer. You got to be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.